Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amadon. And I'm Ann Monroe. And this is the Teacher's Journey, Mile Markers on the Road to Better Teaching, a podcast series where we discuss stories of teacher development. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi School of Education and is an Amadon Planet production. Oh, this is this. I'm, I'm excited, Ann. I'm excited. We get to talk to a longtime collaborator and great friend. Uh, you know, we've done a lot of presentations together, but now we get to talk about her journey as a teacher. We have Candy's Cook here. This is amazing, Joel, for the two of us. Not only is Candy's, uh, like you said, a longtime collaborator, but uh, the teacher of our children. Yes. And so this is super exciting for us, someone we know well, but also know um, just what an amazing teacher she is and all the great things she's done for our kids personally and all the kids that uh, are in our community. So very exciting time for us. So Candice, how are you? I'm great. Thank you all for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here today. Now we've gotten a chance and, and we're glad you're here too. I mean, we, we've, and again, we've, we've been working together for a long time. You're a, you know, a doctoral candidate working on your project and everything. So, but could you give a little introduction to the folks listening? Absolutely. So I am Candice Cook and I'm a math coach for Oxford School District. And I'm also a um, doctoral candidate working on my PhD in elementary education um, with the focus on closing the opportunity gap in mathematics education. So that's me. Yeah. And some people may say, well, what's the opportunity gap? And so could you give just a quick little thing about the difference between opportunity gap? Because people think about achievement gap, but what's the opportunity gap? So the opportunity gap, when you're thinking about the achievement gap, we're thinking about results, test results and, Mm -hmm. you know, like the end results. So with the opportunity gap, we're thinking about the missed opportunities that students come to school in or those the missed opportunities that students come with to school or also the missed opportunities that, that that happen to the students while they're in school. So it's the inputs versus the output. So we're not just focusing on test scores, but we're also focusing on those missed opportunities that students sometimes um, encounter in schools. Awesome. Yeah, more proactive than reactive. It's, it's That's fantastic. Right. So we'll be excited to hear about it then, you know, when we yeah. get those. <laughs> Just lots of work to do. All right, here we go. So let's get into this. So we're going to do our little uh, countdown here. So we're going to start with, can you thank three teachers who have shaped your development as a person? Yes. So I want to thank my fourth grade teacher, Miss Rupert. Nice. She was, she was awesome. And I don't know, I she's the one that like immediately comes to my mind. Um, and then I also want to thank my, these are actually middle school teachers, Mr. Bell and Mr. Payne. And they were both, um, of course, math teachers for me in middle school. They were just amazing. And they always made me feel seen, heard, and validated in their classrooms. So that's why I really, they just stick out in my head um, as people that I really appreciate and to help me develop, you know, even as a young child, um, being seen, heard, and validated in their class was very important to me. And I really like those three words, seen, heard, and validated. Absolutely. And I think it harkens back to a previous podcast where we spoke to Kayla Luke and she was talking about how her kindergarten teacher, she felt like her kindergarten teacher saw her. I think those are the exact words Mm -hmm. she used and how important that was to her. And Candy's on that podcast, Kayla said that when she ran into this kindergarten teacher that she was mentioning, um, you know, years and years later, she just started to cry when she saw her. And, you know, I think it's that emotional response about being seen and the importance of that. 
but yeah, uh, that's, that's such a, such a, um, you know, important thing for, uh, those of us teachers to hear that, that, that has so much meaning to students, um, you know, years later. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Think about the impact you can have. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. All right. Can you recall two reasons or events that led you to become a teacher? So one just really just sticks out in my head. Um, my, when I started, I was probably about nine or 10 teaching my god sister how to read (laughs) and so I knew just then that that is what I that is what that I was always meant to be um a teacher um and I guess just that's the main thing that just sticks out in my head as to being a reason why I just know that I wanted to be a teacher so okay yeah Yeah. and that's similar Yeah, and that's similar candies. I mean, as a math instructor, that's great that it started with reading. Uh, but also, you know, it parallels my experience too. that one of the experiences I had when I was in fifth grade was having the opportunity to work with kindergartners at my school and teaching help working with them on uh, sight words and reading and things like that. You kind of catch the bug that way. Absolutely. Yeah, you think about it, like, it's kind of access, accessing like this power that you didn't know. Oh, my goodness, I can help somebody. Mm-hmm. do something like that is kind of amazing yeah there you go i like that okay candies we're going to talk about one mile marker on your path to better teaching so what would be an artifact that would you use to represent your mile marker of development so a mile marker for me in my development as a teacher was summer institute so summer of 2009 is when i started going to um summer institutes and the first one was project prime project delta um and just that really going through those summer institutes helped me um just develop as a teacher Mm -hmm. gain a better understanding of the mathematics that i was teaching so that I could show students and not really, it's not all about procedure. So like show students that um, concrete, pictorial, and then going to abstract, you know, way of, ways of teaching mathematics. So that would be a mile marker, those summer institutes that I started doing in 2009. And so those are, were those to the Center for Math and Science Education here at the university? Yes, yes. And it actually was when um, Dr. Barbara Daughtery she mm-hmm. was the first one. And then, yes. And then the next summer, um, it was with Dr. Steinley, Dr. Um, Julie James. Was it Dr. Barlow? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yep. That's exactly who it was with. So bear, well, can, go ahead. No, I was going to say, sorry, Candice, where, where were you in your teaching career at that time? What were you doing and, and you know, how long had you been teaching? Yeah, so that was my, actually, I moved to the Oxford School District in the 2008, um, starting of August of 2008. So 2009, that was my first year I had completed in the Oxford School District. So, but I had already taught for four years prior. I taught third grade for four years. And then that's when I started teaching in Oxford. And I began teaching um, math and science, actually, um, during that particular time. So, yeah, I would I had already been teaching some, but it was my first, you know, year in the district. So you're talking about and this is good. I just talked about this in my math methods class today, this idea of concrete, pictorial 
and abstract. And so like concrete, can I move things around? Like if, if I was modeling a, a simple math problem, like five plus six, like you have five cookies and you get six cookies. I mean, I could really actually bring out five cookies and six cookies and count them out and count them out and put them together and count them all together. That'd be like direct modeling. That's with like the concrete materials versus thinking about a picture. I could draw five cookies and six cookies and count them all up and then say, okay, I got 11. And then yeah. versus the numeral five plus a numeral six equals 11. Like the, that distinction of those three things are very different. All right. And having that. Okay. So that's like this aha moment. Do you have like, even, even go drill down even further. Do you have like a specific like task that might represent like a, like where exactly like we're going to, okay, we got this mile marker. It's during project uh, prime project Delta, but we're going to stake it into the ground. Do you have a specific task where it was like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's this moment right here. Absolutely. So there was this task that we did called decimal products and decimal quotients. And so even in thinking about that, um, where students are able to, you know, in fifth grade, that's when they start doing all four operations, using mm -hmm. decimal, right? Adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. And so starting out, going from the students using base 10 blocks and being able to show and model using base 10 blocks, now we're moving to this task and it's called decimal quotients and decimal products, and they get to actually see patterns and understand and gain that foundational knowledge that's needed versus me just going in and learning or teaching how I was taught, you know, using just numbers, right? Yeah. So that abstract way. And so really these tasks are there to help build that conceptual foundation so that as the numbers progress, then the students actually understand what's happening um, in math. So, Candice, when you when you were working on this project, do you remember what you brought back to your classroom and how that changed? Like, what did you do differently after having this experience, after this mile marker? How did that impact your teaching in the classroom? So I was able to use a lot of what people would term as like messy tasks or, mm -hmm. you know, those tasks that are just going to get the students involved. And it, and so I was able to bring back a ton of those. And actually, I still have the binders today. And it's 2021. <laughs> but I still have those binders and I share those tasks with teachers because it really helps the students get their hands on. Um, these hands-on activities so that they then understand and develop that conceptual understanding versus just saying, hey, here's some numbers, just use this, you know, just multiply, I don't know, one-fifth or, well, five-tenths times one or five-tenths times one-tenth. And so when they're really using these messy tasks, they get to see what's happening versus just naked math or just problems. Right, I think, and, you know, I think Ann and I, or at least my experience, I'll speak to my experience. When I was in school, it was like straight to the symbols, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like putting blacktop over over a uh, expanse and saying that's a bridge. Like, but when there's nothing underneath it, right? There's nothing to support all that. Like, it's just it's just this algorithm that means makes no sense. So like, you know, like move the you know, I could just think of multiplying decimals, right? Move the decimal place over twice, and then you put it down, and like. And it was like, yeah, it works, but I have no idea why it works. It's this math magic. And it's like, we don't want magic. We want sense making. And I love it that you're talking about this. This is great. Yeah. And I think this whole idea about number sense and the importance and the emphasis that has been placed more recently since uh, Joel and I have been in school a long time back ago. Back in the olden days. Back in the olden days when we had to walk in the snow to school. <laughs> That's right. Um, 
you know, the, the, the emphasis on just number sense, that's the, the, the best way to say it, I think, is extraordinary. Just like Joel was saying, I remember in school, um, you know, you just learned the mechanics of something, just, you know, do it, th- do this, and this will happen. But the why wasn't there unless you could figure it out. And so those kids that kind of naturally could figure it out were in good shape. And then everybody else, not so good shape, you know. And so when when my child has been in school, and of course, like I said, had candies in fifth grade, I believe it was, um, he's, he had this great uh, dose of, of an emphasis from all of his teachers with a focus on number sense. And so he would, he totally got why things were happening and why, and like could do, you know, something in three different ways because he got it. He understood what it was really, what was really happening with the numbers, what he was really doing uh, in such a level that I never had uh, when I was growing up. And I think that's just a, um, you know, a nod to obviously the, all the teachers he's had in, in, in his school district, in the Oxford school district, including Candies, um, and also just sort of this um, sea change in mathematics instruction in general mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, and I think NCTM has a lot to do with that. And, uh, you know, the researchers and the people, you know, moving toward making sure that students understand what they're doing and can do things in a lot of different ways. And these messy problems are just really um, a vehicle to get them to work through those different ways, mm-hmm. finding finding a way that works for them. Yeah. One of my absolute favorite topics is teaching um, fractions. And it was because of Project Prompt, like I developed such an understanding of fractions. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I hate fractions, whatever. I love teaching fractions, particularly to to the to the younger students so that we can. And of course, in high school, you can use manipulatives, but like just showing those manipulatives and how think how numbers work and making sense of it is just it's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Candies, why was this mile marker important to your growth as a teacher? Um, it was very important because, again, it helped me be able to help the students understand what was happening in mathematics versus just, you know, doing some operations to some numbers. It actually changed my, changed my way of teaching. And um, again, for that conceptual foundational part, it really just changed my whole outlook and, you know, of teaching mathematics. And I, it developed my understanding of math. And then therefore I could transfer that to my students. Nice. So, you know, we, we try to, tie these things into the standards because we want to say like the NTAS standards, which are, Anne? Interstate Teacher Assessment and Support Consortium Standards. I got to keep, I got to, I'm going to get it one of these times. I'm going to surprise you, Anne. I really am. But why is this mile marker important to the field? So how can we tie it to those NTAS standards? Did one of those standards like pop out as like, hey, that's, that sounds like the growth that I'm, that I experienced with this mile marker? Oh, for me, definitely the instructional strategy. So that number eight mm-hmm. and, and um, just content like, you know, I, I keep saying this and it's just because it just helped me develop that content knowledge. But definitely the instructional strategies. Yeah. So sure. at, yeah. Standard eight and standard uh, standard four, standard even yeah. standard five, too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a triple threat right there. Um, yeah. So thinking about and, and definitely agree there, uh, thinking about 
you're, you know, kind of this is a mile marker of your development. You're, you have a growth experience as a teacher. Well, let's think about where you are right now and maybe with your current pocket size philosophy statement, because we have our, our in-service teachers, we, we encourage them to have this pocket size philosophy statement that they can carry with them to kind of guide what they do in the classroom. So kind of putting you on the spot to think like, what, what might be your pocket size philosophy statement? Um, my pocket size philosophy statement is that all students can learn and it's up to teach to the teachers to tap into their brilliance because all students, they're good at something. Mm-hmm. So we just have to figure out what that something is <laughs> so that we can tap into it and help them be productive academically, even in their character, you know, so it's an all around brilliance um, that we're trying to help students tap into. I love that. Like, it's like, we're not. We're, we're mining, right? Mining, trying to reveal those, those diamonds and the, the uncovering that brilliance. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So how can we see the influence of this mile marker on that philosophy statement? Um, because actually in my current work, I yeah. have teachers every single day, you know, and in a positive way, <laughs> impact, you know, the teachers, which then impacts the students, Right. right. So helping the teachers develop their instructional strategies, which absolutely is going to impact student learning. So that's definitely my evidence there. Yeah. And then, you know, thinking about the influence of it on your journey as a teacher, or in this case, you're talking about being a teacher educator. Like, how do you see this mile marker as, well, I mean, you kind of just said that, but I'll, well, you know what, I'm going to take something too, is I see it in you and in, in your research study and thinking about you know, just even the thing about the example that we gave with the concrete materials and not, not providing those, you know, like for those kids that weren't provided with the, the, the foundation, like the concrete and the pictorial, we went straight to the symbols that created a gap, right? An opportunity gap, like that some students needed that in order to, I need to make sense of what's going on and now see it. And so now let's think about how can we can go about closing it. So I, man, that's a, that's a great, that's a great mile marker to bring to the, the podcast here. So um, and do you have any ideas about resources that we can point candies to? I'll go first. Yeah, good. You go first, Joel. You're yeah. you're much better at the at the resource resource on the spot resource dump than I am. Well, and you know, this is in our area, and like we've talked a lot about um some method research and some of them candies, they might be, you know, the same ones that we've talked about before, but even there's some great research articles uh, by um, uh, Karen Karp on this idea and, and Dr. Doherty about the concrete representational and abstract sort of continuum where they're using them for, uh, uh, they started using with students with identified learning needs and thinking like, well, these are things that any, everyone could benefit from uh, even, and not just limiting it to like the smaller grades where it's like, cause many people, sometimes they look like toy, well, they have algebra tiles. They have things that can help students like handle algebra, which is kind of, kind of cool when you think about it and like can model some, some things with, with algebra tiles, like the, like rather than doing foil, I can actually manipulate things. So uh, I know there's some research that way, but then also too, you know, thinking about opportunity gap is, I would just even challenge people. If you haven't heard about the opportunity gap to even do a little, little research on it, little Google. Uh, I know Milner from, we've talked about from Vanderbilt has done some, some uh, writing on the opportunity gap, but just thinking like not just because a student is in the same classroom doesn't necessarily mean they're having the same experience. Um, 
And so there's some things that we can do to, to make sure uh, that they're, they're getting opportunities, uh, the same opportunities. And so we can minimize that gap. Um, I've got, I've got a couple of things for people to keep in mind in terms of thinking about this or using for resources. So if thinking about the people that might be at your school when you're dealing with, you know, thinking about how can you um, create opportunities for, for students to create sense of things, particularly with hands-on manipulatives. I think if you're teaching, you know, middle school or high school, look to those elementary school teachers. And yes. I think it's seen, I think for some reason there are, there are some middle school and high school teachers that think that hands-on stuff is for is babyish or something. I don't know. I think there's sometimes when I work with some of the secondary um, pre-service teachers, they sort of think, well, that's not going to work with a high school kid because they're going to think that's silly. But the elementary teachers, you know, they, they use a lot of these hands-on colorful Mm -hmm. types of either manipulatives or graphic organizers or whatever it is that um, are very effective and that research shows really help uh, students and they 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 work with students of all ages. I just think sometimes there's a little bit of a block with some secondary teachers to utilizing those resources. So look to those elementary teachers to see what's really working because if they're working with kids in the elementary school, they're going to work with kids in the middle and high school. Second, as sort of a shout out to Candice herself, look your your math specialist, yes. your math coach at your school, those content area folks that work in your district that are there to help you as a teacher. So we have obviously people who work directly with the kids, but we have people in our school districts that work directly with the teachers Mm -hmm. and they've got the resources and they've got, you know, um, some insight into some things that might help teachers. I think reach out to those uh, human resources, like the, like your fellow teachers or your, you know, your support staff there, those, those, uh, content specialists or content coaches that are out there working with the school districts are great resources. Candies are one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Reach out to them because that's our job. Like we're there for support. Like I've seen, uh, I read something that said, everybody needs a coach. Think about all of the, the best players, LeBron, right? Everybody, they still have a coach. So right. um, definitely reach out to us because we're here to help and happy to help. That's our job. Awesome. That's great. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Candies. But thank you for tuning in to the teacher's journey, mile markers on the road to better teaching. This episode may be over, but the journey to better teaching continues. Please subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when the next episode's ready for you to listen to. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. You like those stars. Give us as many stars as you want. It'd be great. You can also share the podcast with someone you feel may be interested in these stories of teacher development. Yeah. And thank you so much, Candies, again, for sharing this part of your journey with us. And thank you to all of you listeners out there for taking the journey to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you've been given to teach others.